Welcome to Chief Evangelist. I'm your host, Ethan Butte. I'm on a mission to explore and understand the role of the Chief Evangelist and the movement behind it. How should founders, investors, and C-suites be thinking about it? How does it benefit the company? Which companies and markets need evangelism most? What does the work involve? What does success look like? And who's a good fit as a chief evangelist? That's what we're exploring at chiefevangelist.com and in conversations like this one, which is brought to you by Ringmaster Conversational Marketing and their evangelist-powered podcasting package. Learn more at ringmaster.com. Today, we're learning from someone who helps customer experience and employee experience teams create value for the companies they work for, the people they work with, and the customers they serve. He started the Be Customer-Led podcast and blog to explore the intersection of CX and EX after building his career in companies like Credit Suisse, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Freddie Mac. He currently serves as Senior Vice President, Evangelist, and Head of Community Engagement at Medallia, the number one enterprise experience platform. Bill Stakos, welcome to Chief so, Evangelist. I know. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm really glad we connected. We got introduced by a, a mutual friend and colleague, Janelle Estes at, yeah. at User Testing. And um, she was like, hey, I know some other evangelists you should talk to. And like, I just, I immediately started listening to Be Customer Led and um, we got to connect and I just really appreciate you uh, making the time here. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks again. Thanks for having the show. Um, I've actually watched your, uh, listened to your other podcast. So I'm excited that you started this one. Good. Thank you. Um, so just like on that show where my opening question is, yeah. what is customer experience here? What would you say, Bill, is the most important job of a chief evangelist or of an evangelist? Yeah, I think, you know, you and I have talked about this um, a fair amount. I think that the primary role or responsibility of an evangelist <clears throat> is evangelizing the problem that the company is trying to solve with their software, their product, their services, et cetera. And, you know, from a customer employee experience perspective, it's that would include design, surveys, research, um, data, analytics, how to bring disparate sources of information together to make better decisions within the company for the workforce, for the customer, and how to disseminate that in the, in the most logical way. And that's where I kind of focus a lot on the content that I'm putting out there um, and um, you know, really trying to get to the root of problems that the buyers of our software are dealing with every day. Some of that may be technology related. Some of that may not be technology related. It could be organizational structure. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. It's a pretty neat role. I'm pretty active out there on social media and uh, it seems to fit pretty well with, uh, with what I've been doing and where I'm focusing. Awesome. I would assume that in a company as large as Medallia, I'm just making some assumptions here. So kind of walk, walk it back to your own observations yeah. or the reality of the situation forever I take this. But um, I'm sure it is a uh, complex software. I'm sure it solves a lot of different problems. Like, how are you approaching that? Like, how well, when you join the company, how well would you say the problem was defined or how how well could the problem be articulated in, you know, a few bullet points or perhaps even a line, like it, how big is this problem for, yeah. for you and for Medallia? That's a really good question. Customer experience and employee experience management has been around for a long time. You know, I've been 
you know, pre-joining Medallia, I was leading or working in these teams for 20, 20 plus years, largely in financial services. So I think the problems are pretty well known, very well articulated, um, specifically the issues that can be solved through a SaaS platform like Medallia um, are very, very well known. Um, it's just not not all companies are solving problems through that technology or solving the problems the right way. So, you know, I, you know, hopefully through my role, I'm kind of leveraging my background and in, in experience in a way that creates content that others can learn from and view and say, I never thought of that. That's a great idea. Here's how I think we can do this or make it real for our company. Um, or, um, you know, I'm struggling with this problem today because we're new on our journey or our path uh, for customer employee experience. And, you know, you know, the team has really good ideas about how we can evolve. And, you know, also here's how technology can kind of enable all that too. So um, the, the discipline is, is fairly well established. It's more around, you know, is the company leveraging technology to get them along that maturity path um, and, and delivering the types of experiences that, you and I probably experience every day and you're like, wow, that was really good. Some of that is technology. Some of that is not technology, obviously. Um, but, uh, you know, those are the types of things that, you know, I, I find myself just wanting and gravitate towards talking about. Yeah. Of the, let's just go into the problems really quickly. Cause you know, that's a kind of a fun and challenging thing about customer experience. We're often, especially in the, in the spaces that you've worked in, we're all, you know, customers at some level of yeah. a variety of, large financial institutions. What are some of the problems that that you feel like companies are still facing today that you were, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, you're like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna not, we're gonna take care of this one. Like, um, how persistent are some of the core issues? Well, think about, you know, omnichannel as a term is now 20 years old, right? So an omnichannel would mean, and let's just use the financial services example. Um, I get on my phone an app. I go to the website, I go to a branch, um, you know, I may engage them through some other way. And is that experience aligned and consistent across all those ways that me as a customer go through a journey that could be opening an account that could be getting a financial plan that could be, um, uh, you know, closing a card or getting a new credit card. So if you think about those journeys that we go through as customers, whether I start that process in app, maybe I want to switch over to the web. I've got some questions about this, you know, this rate on an auto loan. So now I want to go to the branch. How do I do those things in a way that is intuitive and the experience through whatever platform I want to engage that brand on is consistent. So, you know, we talk a lot about it, you know, connected experiences and, you know, you do that with data. You do that with some automation. Sometimes human element needs to come into play. And how do you think about, you know, you know again, I, I'm trying to make a payment in my app. Then I've got to call the contact center. They may, may or may not be helpful. Then I'm going to go to the branch the next day. How do all those experiences connect in a way that helps the bank understand my needs as a customer better, where there are friction points in that journey, and then use that information to resolve those friction points and get them out of the way. Love it. I think of it like really simply as don't make me give you the same information twice. 
kind of like great example, right? Let, let's pick up where we left off. Um, how just just give us a, I know this is a very generalized thing, but um, give us a snapshot of you know in a good week or a good month, like what range of activities are you performing in service of you know diagnosing, engaging on, providing education around kind of this core set of problems of connected experience, like um, maybe talk how much time you spend focused outside the organization versus inside directly toward team members. Like just give us a quick overview of like what the job looks like for you in an organization like that. Yeah. So about 30% of my time, I would say I'm focused on working with our clients, helping them think through where they are in a level of maturity, where they want to get to, how do they get there? uh, And what, you know, I've observed other clients in similar scenarios and what they're doing differently, better, or maybe not even as well, right? Uh, And what does that mean for them? Um, The rest of the time, I'm kind of thinking about, um, and I'm not sure I've got an exact percentage of this, but maybe a small percentage, I'm thinking about the future of the discipline, where is it headed? Um, And trying to articulate views or opinions around Okay, we've 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 been doing this work for twenty plus years. Like, where does it go for the next five or ten, right? Um, but a big part of the the, the day is um, talking to salespeople, talking to customer success managers, talking to my network out there who are doing similar work, and talking to them about the day to day challenges that they're seeing in their companies with their clients, or whether that's from leadership to how they're operating to, you know, um, you know, processes in place and things that they're grappling with. Um, pandemic was a big one and how people are navigating through that, obviously, and, you know, and, and engaging a lot of our customers through that uh, and helping them grow and maneuver, but also being really vocal about the problems that people are fo- facing and how in creative ways and how they're solving some of these challenges, right? So, I'd say 70% of my time is more uh, outwardly focused uh, in thinking about the issues that the buyers of our technology are going through every day. And then 30%, I guess, still externally focused, but more around sort of coaching, mentoring, and you know, helping customers figure out how to leverage the platform to solve really complex problems. Really good. I'm going to go in a, uh, with another really big question, but before I do, I want to kind of double down into something there, which is the um, working with sales folks and customer success managers. Yeah. I've been doing the same thing. Um, a, I want to you know keep a pulse of what's actually going on. B, I want to be close to revenue and actual real legit problems, problems. I don't want to operate in, you know, theoretical land. Uh, And you obviously have a sensitivity toward that too, balancing your time, you know, on the future versus the real, uh, the real present. Um, Just talk about the logistics of engagement with sales folks and CSMs. Like, do they just have your calendar link? Do you like, or is it a standing thing is like, like, um, you know, how, how to just from a logistics perspective, how do you market your time and talent internally so that people know that you are a resource that's available to them to help with a prospect or a customer um, directly, or even perhaps just to strategize on the account? Yeah. So, so it's a great question. There are a couple of, of clients that I'm really more dedicated towards. Um, There, there are definitely other folks in the organization that will ping me for help um, or thoughts or, you know, join a meeting, um, you know, talk about sort of, you know, what's happening in the space. Um, I don't do anything regular or any kind of regular communication out internally to the sales organization. Well, that's a 
probably a good idea now that I'm kind of thinking about it through my head. Um, so it's it's largely when I'm working with clients, a big part of it is, you know, the, the same clients regularly, but then also being available to other teams to jump in where I can. Very good. Uh, so the big question, the big one. Yeah. And, and by the way, what you said there is like, yeah, maybe I should be doing that. That's the feeling I've had through all of these interviews so far. <laughs> and I'm just getting going on this journey of like, I could be doing my job so much better. Like I don't yeah, watch well, That's why we had these conversations, these, like, right? Yeah. We learn yeah, from each totally. other, right? That's the best way to do it. Absolutely. So, um, so, you know, you talked about forward looking, um, and I'm, and I'm, we're, when we were chatting before we even, uh, started this recorded conversation, um, you know, you're talking about developing a presentation that will be giving a couple times here, yeah. um, about the, you know, where the stuff is going. I'm going to generically call that thought leadership, right? Yeah. I, I have a depth of experience of exposure in the space. I've been in and out of several organizations. I understand this very well. I'm constantly, on, I have the pulse of what's going on and I'm going to take that in and reasonably project into the future. I think yeah. that is thought leadership when done well. The other piece that's in your title is community. So like where, yeah. where I'm going here with a very poorly formulated question is like, um, do you separate uh, evangelism and thought leadership and community are these all kind of blended into one? Like, how do you like, and even you could even take this from a definitional standpoint or like, like terminology, like where mm. do you draw any of those lines? Does, does anyone at Medallia draw any of those lines? Like, how do you think about those, those seemingly disparate disciplines that are all also kind of overlap in different ways? So I think that there's there's real opportunity to bring this together. Now, there are some things on the community engagement side, it, it's community led, right? The, the folks, our clients and in, individuals and employees that our clients are driving the agenda. They're talking about, you know, the things that they want to talk about. I think that's really important. Um, and that builds a sense of trust. It creates a safe space for people to, to engage in a much different way than they would normally uh, with the organization. So right off the bat, you know, giving people a couple of ideas maybe for consideration, but letting the community drive the agenda is really important. There's learning from there, right? What are the topics they're talking about? What problems are they trying to solve? Is it different than problems that I, the same problem I heard last week, right? So from there, you can really take a lot of that and, and start to formulate some ideas and opinions and drive thought leadership, right? Um, there's also um, content um, or, or platforms where we're driving the conversation. We're bringing people together um, and we're providing the topic. We're putting the questions out on the table for people to talk about, right? And it's a little bit more, not self-serving in a way. I, you know, a lot of the conversations don't involve technology at all, um, but it's a way for our clients to come together in different ways and meaningful ways. So you're building community, you're building trust, you're building engagement, and you're providing platforms um, for people to come together and have the conversations that, you know, they they all can learn from uh, their peers and each other. The thought leadership piece is also around how, you know, at where are different companies in their maturity and what are they doing at different levels of maturity? You want to be able, you can't write everything like, like the shiny star on the hill, right? That doesn't help the person who's just starting off. Okay. Well, how do I get from A to B? You know, show me the roadmap. And, you know, when I think about thought leadership, I don't think about it just as, um, here's some cool stuff that like you should be thinking about, you know, five or 10 years from now, it's really providing a way for anyone in that maturity curve to be able to engage and grow and develop. 
And if you're not thinking about the maturity curve and creating thought leadership through that curve, you're kind of doing a little bit of a disservice uh, to your customers. And, you know, going back to evangelizing the problem, what are the different problems that, you know, companies face at each level? And what are companies doing about it? And or what are some other creative ways, whether through my own experience or others, um, that they can solve that as well uh, and continue to grow and develop? And, and hopefully through that content, through that thought leadership, through those platforms for engagement, you know, they look at Medallia as a, as a place that I'm, I'm getting value outside of the technology. And I think a lot of that is happening. Yeah, I really like what you did there with the maturity curve. It's a more customer-oriented way to take on a common framework relative to evangelism, which is, you know, the diffusion of innovation, um, which is a bit more aggregate and less kind of, where is this person today on this arc that we've seen among people? I think it's a, I really like the way you did that. Yeah. And, you know, look, being, I was a client of Medallia's for, oh gosh, almost six years before I joined them. Right. And, you know, when I was leading teams, CX teams, we had a roadmap. We knew, you know, where we were going, what we needed, where technology fit into that, uh, into that roadmap. And, you know, it's, it, it's on me to kind of help, you know, others in similar roles now, right. Um, on the client side to be thinking similarly. So, um, you know, a lot of our industry is, is sort of in this sort of survey break fix mode, right. I do a customer survey, I get the feedback, we fix the problem you know, how do you evolve from that? So how do you start to show like real connectivity to financial outcomes or business outcomes? Um, how do you engage your CEO um, or, or the C-suite in different conversations to show the value of the work that the team is doing? Um, how do you bring disparate signals together in a meaningful way to get like a real 360 view of what's happening with your customer? You know, not just the 12% that respond to a survey, right? So um, all these topics are really relevant and critical and um, yeah, we try and bring those ideas forward for folks to uh, to engage. From a functional standpoint, I mean, you were leading CX teams. You were a customer of the company. I've heard that origin story a number of times, which I yeah. always like. And we'll get into the into your much more specifically in a couple of minutes, I think. Yeah. But um, you know, the some of the conversations that I've had with people who aspire to an evangelist role, I really like doing these things. I like guesting and hosting on podcasts. I like delivering presentations. Yeah. Uh, people seem to, you know, I like seeing the eyes light up when people kind of get a core idea um, where they're motivated to start acting on something that they know they should have been doing for a long time now, or whatever the case may be. Um you know, you were a direct practitioner in mm-hmm. this, like for you, how was the shift to evangelism? I mean, these skills aren't, you know, it's, I hate the term, but it's like, it's not rocket science, <laughs> but like, how, how was the shift for you from being a practitioner to, um, to, to more of an, an observer, participant, advisor, consultant, yeah. like all these things, or, or do they overlap much more significantly than I think I'm imagining? Well, look, I mean, you know, I think I'm probably more, I was like at a point in my career where I had done so many different things, led so many different teams, brought CX together in so many different ways that it was a good kind of transition place for me to be more on that sort of coach mentor kind of path. Um, you know, it's part of the reason why I started even, you know, the, the podcast, I just, um, I was at a place where I'd, I'd, I wanted to give back to the CX community to make it help it be successful. So that's kind of, you know, that was sort of like an easy transition. What was a little bit more difficult, you know, you and I have had this conversation in the past is, 
you know, I built this kind of brand externally and now I'm being asked to be the evangelist for a, you know, a software company. It's like, well, how do I do that? How do I balance the brand that I've built externally? And, and, and maybe I was hired for part of that, right. To now being an evangelist for organization and, you know, not, you know, those sort of followers on LinkedIn, et cetera, on social media saying, oh, Bill sold out, right? So I'm not going to listen anymore. And um, so far it's been working. I think that's why, and, you know, by the way, I've heard that from you um, is evangelize the problem. Don't, you know, don't evangelize the product. Um, and um, I think that has served really, really well and has been able to allow me to find a balance between the two and really, really be able to get into the role in a much deeper way. So we're right there. I mean, ha- tell me how this came to be with as much detail as you want to. So, um, you know, uh, take us to maybe just before starting Be Customer Led, you know, and then jump us forward to conversations with Medallia. Um, yeah. You know, would you join us and and how that even all went? Like, was, was it evangelism from the get-go? Um, and then we'll kind of double back into what you just observed, which is um, any of your fears that turned out to be... Um, unfounded, yeah. you know, about, about the tension between having built your own brand name yeah. and your own reputation around because customer led, and of course your career itself, um, yeah. and now doing inside a company. So tell that story, however you like. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was in financial services for, I mean, for 25 years, 20 of those years in customer and employee experience, I started be customer led peak of the pandemic, um, because there was a lot of just theoretical white papers from large consulting companies. I'm not bashing any of those companies, but, you know, being in the role myself, I'm like, okay, I get this. I've been doing the role long enough where I get this and I can probably make some kind of real operational sense of it. Um, But for a lot of the companies out there in the world, it was too much theory. And, you know, especially at that time, there was so much confusion from a business perspective, from a customer perspective. and you know, I wanted to be helpful. I wanted to help other people. So, you know, I, I, my original intent was to go interview peers and blog about it. I really love writing. I don't know if I'm good at it or not, but I love writing. And I was going to blog about it. And um, I had done a couple of interviews and then someone I was interviewing said, Hey, you know what? Why are you, why are you writing? Like turn this into like a podcast. And I'm like, God, there are a million podcasts out there right now. I'm like, I'm, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm never going to compete against that, right? So, by the way, there were like 10 million bloggers. So I don't know what the hell I was doing um, right, or right. talking about. Um, but um, I started to explore one: how many other customer experience podcasts out there were, were there? There were, you know, I don't know, maybe I think I counted about 35, 30. Um, number two is: is this better served through a podcast as a medium, right? Because remember podcasts were growing because people were still commuting, right? So no one's in their car anymore or on a train. So like no one was really listening to podcasts anymore. So that was a big concern. Um, but I, they're like, go buy a mic and headphones. Just try it once. Just turn one of these interviews into a podcast. So they recorded it. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like this is way more fun to have like a conversation with people, right? So, um, and, um, and I thought like an audience, particularly other CX practitioners out there in the world, would get more value out of listening to someone, the inflection, the tone in their voice, the challenges they're having, the things that they're doing to solution those challenges. Um, then ultimately went to video after a while, which was another just great sort of progression of the show. Um, 
you know, we've won a couple of awards along the way, which is kind of nice. And, you know, we have listeners in 105 countries, which is really cool. So that it's resonating, right. Which is really rewarding for me personally, but also, um, uh, you know, that's the one vanity metric, frankly, that I care about. Um, and the, the premise of the show is it's, it's still today. I want to help as many people as possible, just get better at what they do every day. Right. And, um, I've tried to stay true to that. Um, my boss at the time, uh, at Freddie Mac, um, he was front. I was really nervous to ask him if I can do this. I mean, Freddie Mac is like a stodgy old 50 year old mortgage industry veteran player. Right. So I'm like, they're never going to let me do this, but he, without even missing a beat, um, he was like, Oh yeah, totally do this. This sounds awesome. And I was like, really, are you, this is like prank call? Like what's going on here? Um, they were really supportive. Um, I was super lucky. Um, there was just some things that happening at Freddie Mac at the time, changed administration, direction of the company where I was like, I just don't know if this is going to be the right long-term place for me. Um, as I mentioned, I was a client of Medallia's, um, even there. And, um, you know, just right conversation at the right time and a really interesting role, uh, coming in to lead a team of solution principles, which was essentially folks like me, 15, 20 years of experience in the space now working for Medallia. You know, and you know, being sort of thought leaders for clients and and prospects as well. So you know that about you know I don't know maybe six or seven months in, um, there were just some changes, and they're like, hey, you know, do you want to go do this? And I was like, well, I'm already doing it today. Um, let me just try it out. Let's try it out. And uh, you know, my original concerns were, you know, we talked about them. I just didn't know how I would be able to take, you know, what I was doing externally and now do it for a brand. And is that something that I want to do? You know, it's just given me new platforms, new ideas, new ways to engage an audience. And, you know, the content that I'm putting out there is being really well received. Um, not only in sort of the written content that we put out on Madai's website, but also in the you know presentations I'm giving to clients, um, prospects, the presentations I'm giving out to industry in, in industry conferences, et cetera. So, you know, I think I'm doing a pretty decent job of driving the top of the funnel. Um, and that's, that's what you do. And those are the things that you measure. And um, um, yeah, it's been fun. Hey, thanks for listening to Chief Evangelist. For so many reasons, podcasting is a great opportunity and channel for evangelism. If you've been thinking about a podcast or you want to shift production and promotion to a team that's especially evangelist friendly, check out ringmaster.com. Their Connect Engage Scale program is designed for evangelist-powered podcasting for software and tech companies in the growth stage. Again, you can learn more at ringmaster.com. They're also the team behind this podcast. Speaking of chief evangelist, let's get back to it. Cool. That was good detail. Thank you. Several things here. First, um, the pandemic that you opened on and kind of the, what was going on there and your desire to help. And just going back to your your maturity curve, I mean, it yeah. kind of pulled everyone back down or set us all on a separate maturity curve. Like, how do we do this now? Uh, yeah. So, it, so like, there was yeah. a lot to do there. There, there. there really, and still, even still, right? Because, you know, what the pandemic has done is it really accelerated what a lot of companies call digital transformation, right? Um, and that really changed them, not only the shift in the mindset of organizations to say, okay, we can deliver these services and products in a different way. Um, and if you do it digitally, there's clearly like a very big cost benefit to doing that, right? So I think that's super attractive. Um, I think that also 
customers like you and me every day are more used to doing things digitally, part of it because of the pandemic, part of it because we wanted to, and now there's new ways to engage a brand. So um, it really, it really did hit a reset for a lot of companies and rethinking how they engage with their customer and like, and, and from the perspective, and I think there's an important one, you know, thinking through where does our customer want to engage us? Like, where are they versus where we want them to be? And that kind of flip in the script a little bit um, has really changed the, the experience game a little bit um, and also has given sort of more or, or, or is driving a lot more thinking around, you know, what I you know, referenced before around these connected experiences and how, you know, you go into a retail store, you know, let's just say, you know, big box retail store, then you're part of their loyalty program. Then you're, you're using their app maybe to buy some purchases and getting it shipped. Like how does this stuff all come together in a new meaningful way? Because consumers don't just go to a retail store. They just don't go to their phone and order, right? They bounce in and out of all this stuff and it's really complex. And I think that the pandemic in particular really opened up the aperture on that on that view and and really created a, a much richer and and more interesting conversation around experience management and what do you do with there yeah it's in like so many aspects of digital transformation in general it feels like that flip that you described was inevitable we were going to be muddying the line between retail and digital anyway it just happened yeah. a lot faster yeah. kind of a background question and take this however you however you like i mean talk about it from a um, what you know from a company perspective or just from your own personal perspective I'm, I'm kind of doubling back into this idea of you were starting a podcast but it wasn't the the Freddie Mac podcast you know it was be customer led and it was about the community it was about understanding these ideas but you were doing it enough in the context of that situation that you know you sought blessing for it um and you carried it with you and it's not the medallia podcast it's still be customer led yeah. just talk about that from practically like an and and I'm asking on behalf of other people that are doing this or thinking about doing it um, and companies to even think about, you know, how to do this in a graceful manner, because it is a net benefit. I have no doubt from my own experience, I have no doubt that um, your conversations with all of the people you've had on your show make you better at what you're doing every single day. There's no question that you're the primary learner and it just so happens the format allows it to be shared. But talk about it from like an intellectual property standpoint or a my time or that company's yeah. time or yeah. like how like just the possession around this this type of uh pursuit. Yeah. So look, I definitely work for some organizations that would never have allowed me to do this, right? Um I was lucky that Freddie Mac just was very open and looked at it as, you know, at the very least, um, you know, worst case scenario, Bill probably does spends too much time in this and, you know, we have a conversation with him, right? Probably not the case. All right. We know Bill well enough. Um, best case, we actually great, get great talent because they're looking at Bill doing this and saying, well, I really like what Bill's talking about. He works at Freddie Mac. They're letting him do this. That seems like a pretty cool place to work, right? So, and we did actually, that was, one of the bigger benefits, but to your point though, the single biggest benefit is the learning and growth hack for you personally. You know, I, I never was the type of person that, oh, I've been doing this for 20 years and I know what I'm doing and this is the right way. So you've got to do it this way. 
you know, my, my parents put too much um, humility in me from an early age to, 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 to think that way. Um, so it, but I did learn, I was like, and every week I'd come away with these great ideas because someone was doing it a little bit differently or completely differently, even for that matter. So I'm like, man, I should have thought of that like 10 years ago. That would have really been helpful. Right. Um, so I've been able to, you know, now have all these conversations, you know, we're, we're going up, up into three years and, you know, all this rich knowledge, I can bring that even to our clients today. Right. And, um, which that in and of itself is a benefit. So, um, but from an IP perspective, you know, I just was very clear, you know, at one point there was a conversation, you know, with my previous employer, they're like, Hey, we want to do this on our platform. And I was like, no, this is, this is mine. Um, and that was fine. Um, and they were fine. Even, even Medallia has been super gracious. Like we've got guidelines, like I can't, you know, and, and the guidelines make sense and what you would expect, like, don't interview anyone at your competitors, right? Like, okay, that makes sense. I won't do that. Right. You know, but like, you know, it's that sort of stuff that we, you know, just, you know, shake hands on and I'm not going to put the organization I work for in, in, in any kind of situation where they're uncomfortable. I would never want to do that anyway. And I want to be respectful of the relationship I have. I've got a great job. It's a great company. And, um, you know, from my perspective, it's around, again, just staying, okay, true to the what problems are people trying to solve and who's doing that in an interesting way out there and bring those stories to the fore. And, you know, as long as I still, as still I'm doing that, I think, um, you know, everybody does benefit. I mean, I know I certainly benefit. I think our clients benefit. I think the firm overall benefits and, you know, it seems like, you know, we're doing pretty well on a listener base too. And it seems like they're, they're getting value out of the show. Really good. I, it's, it's so funny. I think about um, the way that I deliver presentations, the way, so, you know, bomb bomb is video email, video messaging, yeah. more personal, more human, you know, clearer communication, et cetera. So there are a lot of different ways you can go at that and a lot of different ways you can teach it. And there's no question that my hosting the podcast has influenced the way I teach it. Um, to make it even more approachable, more well-rounded, more in the context of the type of types of people we're trying to serve, et cetera. And, uh, and I'm, and I'm offering this for folks that are trying to evaluate like, Hmm, you know, how's this going at our place? You yeah. know, I just had a CSM, uh, hit me up on Slack today and was like, Hey, um, I'm working with one of my accounts, it's not one of our biggest accounts, but it's definitely not one of our smallest ones. And, uh, and several people listen to the customer experience podcast, yeah. the other podcast I host, yeah. and they specifically asked if sometime here in Q4 or Q1, you know, could I come and spend 45 minutes with them in a kind of a presentation conversation format? And it's like, it's that level of, um, affinity, I guess, yeah. toward me, the company, the product, the problem, it just all works together yeah. in, a, in a really powerful way. And it makes, again, it makes me a better teacher. Yeah. And, and look, I, I agree a hundred percent. And, and look, it's, you know, we've, I've been fortunate. I've had people call me up and say, you know, I don't know much about your company, but I've been listening to your show for a year. I'd like to talk to someone. We're in this place where we need, you know, this type of software. Would you just come talk to us? I'm like, yeah, of course. You know, so, you know, I, I think they're, um, I think everybody kind of wins. Right. And as long as you're doing it in a respectful way and everyone understands what those guidelines are and you're smart about it, um, um, I think, um, I think you can have your cake and eat it too, a little bit, so to speak. Right. So it allows me to continue to my brand and be out there and have these conversations with folks. I mean, you know, the, 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 the recognition or sort of the access, obviously I work for a company, 
that company comes first, right? Um, so, you know, but, but, but to your point in terms of, you know, being able to engage an audience in a different way, like, yeah, I've got like, you know, a hundred plus shows every week. Like I'm having like these rich conversations like we're doing today and being able to engage an audience, whether it's one-on-one or in a bigger sort of forum, you get really, really good at that. And I think that's just your building skills for yourself. Cool. Uh, how long, remind me, how long has it been since, I think it's something like a year-ish. How long have you been in this evangelist role relative to leading that that, that team uh, oh, on entry yeah. to Medallia? About six months or so. Okay. Yeah. So relative, cool. still relatively new. Okay. What is better than you expected? What's more challenging than you expected? And uh, maybe perhaps from your your perspective and from, you know, the folks that you kind of had this conversation with, like, you know, people are like, Hey, let's maybe go in this direction. Um, so from your perspective and those kind of around you, um, yeah. that help guide the decision or make it possible or whatever, like just speak to that a little bit. Yeah. Look, I think there's, there's, um, medallion is the type of place that they really allow you to like explore different ideas, which is kind of fun. You know, if it doesn't work, then move on. It's okay. Right. Um, you know, I working for banks for so long, like that was like, if it failed, like you're out of here, kid, like, you know, um, so it's kind of nice to be in an environment where, they allow you to explore, um, and, um, and they're okay, you know, with, you know, uh, obviously to, to an extent, but yeah. So like, that's been really great. I'm, I'm writing a lot more, which I really love and I'm kind of honing that skill. Um, and I miss writing, um, and I've, you know, been doing just a lot more and that's, that's just been a lot of fun, just being able to engage with, with, um, with our clients in different ways. Um, and, and, and in ways that I never thought I, I would be frankly. Right. Um, so, that has been sort of the most fun. The, the the most challenge really is just like, this is a new role. It's tough to measure on some level. And, you know, I'm someone who's like very like, I know exactly how much impact I'm having in my role. I know exactly how to measure it. And, you know, some of that measurement piece is still, you know, I'm exploring and figuring out what's the right way to do that. And I think that is probably the hardest thing for me, you know, being close to like the revenue side for so long and having an impact on revenue or efficiency and now saying, okay, what is the top of the funnel? How do I really measure that impact? Because how do you really measure someone going from the top of the funnel down to like, okay, now they're a customer, right? A paying customer. And um, how much of that is because of the evangelism? How much of that is part of community? It's 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 a little bit grayer, right? So, yeah. So it's a, it sounds like it's a little bit unsatisfying for you and your personality type and the way that you've developed yourself throughout your career. How does the organization feel about that? I mean, this, this, this measurement theme is going to be constant as long as I have these conversations yeah. um, in part, because clear attribution to revenue remains a Holy grail. I mean, I think, you know, we get, we, we're getting better and better, but I'm sorry, if you ask someone why they made a purchase and you choose one of six answers off a drop down, like that ain't it. Like, yeah, no, just, I, you know, yeah. so, so like, like, um, how, how much, how much, it sounds like you're in a high trust environment. So like how much of that is pressure you're putting on yourself? How much of that is the organization is like a, um, we're curious to see how this sorts out. And then maybe also share any like immediate, successes or failures in, in that, in this area? Um, I think, I think the company's giving me a, a fair amount of grace to kind of figure this out to be perfectly honest with you. I'm very lucky that way. I think probably more of the pressure is on me uh, or myself or self-driven. Um, but at some point they're going to say, okay, what, what are we doing here? Right? Like, do we have like hard metrics? I mean, 
I do have hard metrics, like the content that we're putting out online, right? It's doing very, very well, which I'm grateful for. You know, some of them are doing really well from an engagement perspective, eyeballs, clicks, engagement rate, et cetera. Does that translate into business? Maybe, right? Um, and I think that is the missing piece that I personally am having the, it's nice that people are downloading and reading something and commenting online. That's wonderful. Um, that all adds up at the end of the day. And I think people realize that, but you know, does it really, does it really drive like hard dollars? Um, whether that's a new logo or, you know, um, new business with existing clients, I think that's a little bit tougher uh, to manage because so much goes into that. Right. And so many people are involved and fantastic people, sales, customer success, professional service folks. I mean, really super talented people. Like I am like one thousandth of a percent uh, of that equation. Um, but I think it's additive. Um, at some point, I'd like to get to a place where um, we're able to sharpen the pencil a little bit more and really get down to, okay, this is exactly. So, you know, I've had people, you know, say, hey, I've been following what you put out there on LinkedIn every day. I really like what you're doing. You know, come come talk to us about, you know, what does it mean to be a Medallia customer and like, what could you guys do for us? Okay, great. Sharing those stories, right, is really important. Uh, don't keep them to yourself and just give yourself a pat on the back, you know, share them with your boss and others, you know, put them into your reviews. Right. Um, I think that's all really important to be able to track and measure. Yeah. So, um, talk about this, is just a dynamic of evangelism, because one of the questions in my head on behalf of a, uh, an executive or a leader that's, that's listening saying like, should, should, do we need, uh, someone doing something like this in our organization? You know, some of what you just shared there is like, well, doesn't marketing do that? Um, and you know, and you still have the same attribution issues there. Yeah. But the more interesting question to me for the for the sake of the evangelist conversation is why is it different? How is it different for you to have that conversation with those people that want to know what it's like to be a medallion customer rather than a straight handoff to sales? Because I do the same thing. Like I'll I'll carry that conversation into a much more commercial direction mm. and then do a warm handoff. But from yeah. your perspective, why is it or how is it different slash better yeah. for you to have that conversation? I look, that's a great, great question, Ethan. So a couple of ways. So marketing is going to create their content and do their stuff. And I'm not taking any away from marketing. They're amazing people where where I work and they do amazing, amazing work. Um, and I have tons of respect for them. I think the difference for me is I've been I've done the role. I've worked a mile in, in that buyer's shoes. I I know exactly where they are mo most of the time the problems that they're trying to tackle, um, the conversations they're having or not having internally that they, they should be. And um, I think people, res that resonates a little bit more. And being able to say, hey, Bill has done this work at these institutions and they're not small by any stretch. Why don't you have him come in and talk to you about like, you know, not only he was a client, like, what did that mean? How did he work with us? But also from the perspective of all the other things that you're doing that are non-tech related, that you're trying to solve for in your day-to-day -day job, Bill's done that. So why don't you come talk to him, right? Oh, and by the way, Bill talks to like every week, he's publishing an episode on, you know, on his platform of CX leaders and EX leaders and what they're doing and how they're doing it. I think there's just a little bit more of a credibility thing that you can establish. And I'm not a salesperson. So I think that there's a little bit more, I guess maybe trust can be easily or a little more easily given. And I'm not there to sell anybody. I'm there really to literally just help them be successful. And whether that's through content or direct conversation. And um, I think that that is the biggest differentiator.
Yeah, with you. That was really well yeah. said. And it's a blend of your own experience, all the stories you've collected over the years, your your the time you've spent with all the other prospects and customers, uh, just in your time at Medallia, you just bring a different level of, I mean, you said, uh, I think credibility or authority, but they're both there, whichever one you yeah. chose, the other one works too. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess, give me, um, just off the top of your head, you know, if, if someone was talking to you, you know, someone's like, gosh, I noticed, you know, you're, you have this evangelism thing in your title, you know, I'm, I'm now I'm an executive, by the way, I'm like a, yeah. I don't know, CEO of a, you know, mid-sized firm, you know, is this something we need? Like, should, should I, you know, how, how would you encourage that per Like, what are a couple of questions you would ask them to kind of guide their thought around it? Well, I, you know, a couple of things that I'd be asking or think, helping them think through is, you know, where's your marketing today? And number one, number two is, do you have people internally that have been a buyer and are engaging clients or prospective clients from the perspective of a buyer? And if you don't have those resources, how, how are, how are you engaging your customer? You know, I, whether they need the evangelist or not, I think that's a very specific company question to kind of think through. Chase doesn't need an evangelist, right? They've, you know, that's different. Like, you know, SaaS companies, I think it's a much bigger or more prominent role on the SaaS side. I think it's a really important role. Does it have to be an evangelist? You can argue that, well, maybe it should be your CSMs. You know, maybe I go hire industry people and teach them how to be a CSM and give them the toolkit, right? Or, you know, the solution principles are a really interesting role as well. Um, I think having someone just out there who's vocal all the time uh, while others are engaging with clients more perhaps or whatever that is, um, keeping that constant kind of drumbeat at the top of the funnel uh, for, for the organization and talking about the problems that um, individuals are facing, those buyers are facing and how others are tackling them. I think it is a pretty important role. I've, I've come, I mean, in six months, I've really come to respect the importance of it. You know, you can argue, you know, well, is it creating more business for the company? I think it is ultimately. I've got examples of where you know we are being brought to the table in different scenarios because of what I'm doing uh, and the team is doing. I think it's a really important role. The community engagement piece, though, that for me is that to me is like, and we talked about this at the top of the show, but like where it really does all come together and building communities and where I'm starting to learn more. And I've, I've got someone great on my team who leads this. That to me is like a really cool and new and interesting part that I'm, I need to lean in more on and understand more because I think that's where you can get just even more juice from the squeeze, frankly. Yeah, really good. That feels like a really nice place to wind this down in part because you've already been very, very generous with your time. Uh, and also it was a, it was a really well um, constructed and thoughtful response. And you've already shared a bit, you know, about the skill sets and things. So, you know, when I typically ask around, you know, people that aspire to the role or something, you know, I feel like you've already kind of covered that ground a little bit. And I do think there's something really powerful about being untethered from the, you know, the core traditional silos of the organization and being able to operate across them yeah. um, and within the community. It's really That's good. Really cool. uh, fun question before you, I let you go, Bill. Um, what is something in your personal life that you find yourself evangelizing? Just as a matter of course, like a product or service or an idea or a habit or something. Um, well, they've all been fun questions. This is a really fun question. Um, the thing that like I'm the thing that I'm really focused on is is the importance of leadership um and the intersection of leadership and management and and how that really can not only make or break an organization and teams, but all like how that manifests onto the customer side as well. I talk a lot about 
culture and customer-led culture and what that means and how organizations sort of evolve there. And that's something that even in, outside of work, I talk a lot about with you know friends, colleagues. Um, it's a bit geeky, I guess, but it's really important. Um, I can't stress enough. In particular, like that middle layer and what's going on there today and the resources they have or don't, frankly, that they don't have to be successful and not just manage their teams to be effective and to deliver on objectives and results, but also to be able to lead them, right? Being able to create a vision in a place where their teams feel like they belong and they feel like they're adding value every day and they know exactly how they are connected to creating value for the company, for the customer, shareholders, whoever those stakeholders are. So that's something that I really talk a lot about outside the context of work or day-to-day in a personal life. I'm lucky in that I feel fortunate that I get a lot of questions around this actually outside of uh, day-to-day. Uh, and I love talking about this stuff because it's super, super important. It is super important. It is you're a true EXCX evangelist. Absolutely. I mean, just even where you wound up there, that's a specific nuance of it, like this, this, this leadership and management piece. And um, I mean, you even acknowledge this the way I would kind of in more layperson's terms, I think, than you than you might because of your depth of experience, you know, that that um customer experience at some level is internal culture as it spills out. Of the, of the inside of the operation. And this is, is so yeah. much of a driver of it. Yeah. We talk a lot about, you know, uh, your customer's experiences, your employee's behavior. And, you know, yeah. a lot of that behavior is driven by the culture of the organization. And what is culture? Culture is what you reward. So if you're rewarding the wrong things, you'll have a bad culture. If you reward the right things, you'll have a great culture. And that manifests in the experience that is delivered. You know, whether that's direct face-to-face, if you're in a retail store or in a branch or, you know, wherever, or even in the products and services that you create, right down to the the app experience that is developed, right? If you've got the right culture, you're creating the right things that the customers want to keep on coming back to and employees want to keep on coming back and working working on. Man, so good. We have a lot more conversation to be had. Some of it will be recorded. Some of it will release as another episode here on Chief cool. Evangelist. Some of it will happen on the customer experience podcast. That's a must. Cool. I can't believe we've gone this long without doing that one too. <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, Thank you so much, uh, Bill. I really appreciate it. For folks who enjoyed this as much as I did, where would you send them to follow up and check out your podcast? Yeah, so becustomerled.com, B-E-Customer-Led-L-E-D.com. Um, there's blog, there's a right blog. Um, the show is the biggest piece of that. You could also find us on YouTube as well. Um, but um, yeah, it's a labor of love. Love doing it. And it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. Awesome, it shows. Cool. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, thank you. That wraps up this episode of Chief Evangelist. Thank you for joining us. And thanks to Ringmaster Conversational Marketing for helping bring these episodes to you. With any thoughts or questions about the Chief Evangelist role, message me on LinkedIn. I'm Ethan Butte, E-T-H-A-N-B-E-U-T-E. For show notes and more of these conversations, visit chiefevangelist.com.